I want to tell you about the worst gift I have ever given. I don't, I think it was for her birthday. It was for my wife's birthday. And I had this idea to make this clock from one of our favorite stories that she could keep on the mantle and it was going to be awesome. And it was a great idea. But the reason it was the worst gift I've ever given is because I got in a rush. I didn't get the the thing completed the way that it should be. And then on top of that, I was so excited about it, I didn't even wrap the gift. <laughs> and I just gave it to her. As if it just, just like, so a poorly done rushed gift uh, with no wrapping, almost as if I didn't even think about it. Everything about it was bad. She was so disappointed. I was excited about it, but it was more the idea and not the follow through. And uh, she was really disappointed. We kind of laugh about it now, but I make sure when it comes time to give a gift that I buy wrapping paper and I give myself enough time to give her the gift and do it the way that, that I want to do it. Because I realized that even though the, the thought was there, I actually, it wasn't a good gift. It didn't make her happy like I was intending to do. I was thinking of that story because I wonder how often we, we, think about our relationship with God and go, how can I please God? But we're kind of left going, have I ever actually pleased him? Have I just given him a bunch of bad gifts that he doesn't like? Given him maybe like a, a partially wrapped gift that God wants, but it, it's not done very well. It's rushed. It's distracted. It's kind of full of the corruption of my own heart. So God's not actually really happy with the gifts that I give him. I wonder if sometimes we go through life wondering, does God really like me? And the, does God really does God really want the gifts that I have to give him? Today we're going to be talking in Ephesians chapter 1 about how we can know that we're actually pleasing God. What, what, are, are we actually doing the thing that God wants? Can we be sure that he's happy with the gifts that we give him? So go ahead and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to be today in uh, verses 3 to 6. This is uh, Ephesians 3 to 14 is actually one long sentence. Paul gets super excited, but there's so much good stuff. We're going to break it up a little bit so that we have the time to digest those little parts of it. But so Paul is super excited with this super long sentence that keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we're going to be looking at how what we find in Christ so this is what we see in verse verse 3 from chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Let's pray. God, as we open your word, help us to know what it means to please you, what it is you want from your relationship with us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. What I want to show you here from this is that we are invited to engage fully in a relationship of blessing with God. We're, we're invited to engage fully, wholeheartedly in a relationship of blessing with God. You see, the beginning of verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's this, the, uh, and the, but then it says, who has blessed us in Christ. So this word blessed is used twice here. Us, man, God is worthy of blessing. 
because he has blessed us. Skipping down to verse 6, we see that uh, according to the purpose of will, to the praise of his glorious grace. Praise and blessed. There's this, there's uh, giving us this sense that we are invited into this relationship of praise and of blessing. That's the, the purpose of the relationship that we have with God. But if you're like me, you go, there's some, it's not symmetrical. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. How can I, my blessing of God have anything to do or equal at all his blessing of me? What's, what's, the, what's the root here? What's going on that says, man, God is worthy of praise. God is worthy of blessing because he has blessed me. Because he has blessed us. What's the, what's the sense here? The sense here is that praise is not incidental to the Christian life. That the, the praising God is not just something that we tack on to the service. You know, at the, some songs at the beginning and some songs at the end. That, that praise is not just something that we do a little bit. That, that like central to the Christian life, praise, blessing of God is central to what God has for us. And yet, the God who needs nothing wants our praise. The God who needs nothing loves the praise of his people. What does our blessing of God have to do with his blessing of us? The way I think of it is this, that our praise of God, God needs nothing. That's the very best thing that we can do, is to speak well of God, to praise him, to say, look what you are like The very best thing that we can give him is to brag on him in the same way that the very best thing that he could do for us is all that he's done for us in Christ. And so the symmetry, the the equals part of this is not, oh, we're going to do for God something that he's done for us as if he needs redemption, as if he needs deliverance, as if he needs anything from us. That's not the sense. The sense is not that we're going to equal God in the ways that we do things. What we're going to do is we're going to give God our very best, which is praise, which is blessing in the same way that he has given his very best to us. The God who needs nothing loves the praise of his people because it's the best thing that we can give him. And he loves and he delights in it. And so this, this, these verses this are an invitation up to this relationship of blessing with God. We bless God. We praise God who has blessed us, who's given us his very best. And so the, this whole the rest of these verses is really part of this invitation to this relationship of blessing. It's this invitation to engage fully in this relationship of blessing. And what I want to show you here today is three actions that give life to our praise. Three actions that give life to our relationship of blessing. They give substance and some like some concreteness. It's not just, oh, God, praise you. You know, let me sing holy, holy, holy. No, do some things. But God, let's put some oomph in our relationship with God. Let's, so these are three actions that give life to our praise. One, with the end of verse three, we see to draw on every spiritual blessing. Verse three, which started with blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, says, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. There's three descriptions here. He has blessed us with, it says, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Those three like make up this, see God, how has God blessed us? He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Every blessing that we need, where at? In the heavenly places. And how do we get that? We get that in Christ. Um, 
one writer named Lincoln said that um, the, this sense of this, what does it mean every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, is that it's an overarching and future sphere that like in the heavenly places, the realm over there where God dwells, there is this overarching every spiritual blessing. But it's not just, oh, well, someday we will get that when we're in heaven. But that those blessings that we have in, in the heavenly places are actually belonging to us now, that we get to draw from those in our current present lives. And so the, this verse 3 says that in Christ, for those who are in Christ, every spiritual blessing is ours now. And so the, the call in this, as we are invited to engage fully in a relationship of blessing with God, is not to just go, man, in my own strength, I need to try and figure out how to praise God. I need to try and figure out how to bless God. But it's instead to actually draw on those every spiritual blessing that we have in Christ. It's actually, it's something that is, that is it, totally established, but also present, a present reality for us right now that we get to draw from in our current circumstances. We don't have to wait until someday we get to go to heaven where we get a cloud with a nice house and a harp to strum, that then we're going to know the spiritual blessings, but that in Christ, I right now get to draw from the spiritual blessings of being united with Christ. I get to draw from those now. Our church gets to draw from those now. And so how do we engage fully? It's we draw and say, I'm going to draw strength from those Knowing that that's not a, a future reality, it's actually a present reality. And so my praise is going to be animated with the strength and with the blessings that I get to draw from right now. We have to begin in our Christian life to begin to, to like learn to live with that as a reality, a present and real reality. This is what is true for me right now. It's nothing I've ever known or experienced before. But I want to, I want to praise God. I want to, I want to please God with the blessings he gives. And I want to begin to live with that reality right now. I heard a story from a pastor who, um, had adopted a little girl and he, the, one of the sad parts of her story, is she'd come from a, an addicted home and, um, an impoverished home. And when she moved in in foster care and then before she got adopted, she was about four years old. And every night before she bed, she would ask, do we get breakfast tomorrow? Will we have breakfast tomorrow? And it took them a while till they understood. She'd actually known days with no food the next day. And so she went to bed with that on her mind and that worry. My heart breaks as I tell the story. And so what the parents had to do is actually begin to pour a bowl of cereal to put beside her bed every night before she went to sleep. As a reminder, this is what you have now. You're not going to go hungry in our house again. When you're living here with us, there will be breakfast the next day. And in that same way that that little girl had to know that the family that I'm now in has blessings and supply for every day after that, you and I are invited to begin to live with this reality that God has every spiritual blessing for us tonight and today and tomorrow. And every day, God, every spiritual blessing is going to be ours, is going to be available to us to draw from. And so we are invited to engage fully in a relationship of blessing with God by drawing on every spiritual blessing that he's given us in Christ. We have to begin to, to remind each other that we have every spiritual blessing in Christ available to us right now. We might, through hard circumstances in our lives, 
go to bed wondering, God, is there going to be blessings for me again tomorrow? God, are you even there right now? Which is where the community of the church comes in to encourage each other and to say, you have every spiritual blessing. God's not going to let you down tomorrow. There will be every spiritual blessing for us in Christ day after day after day. And some of us have to walk long roads with spouses who are struggling. Some of us have to walk with friends deeply struggling to believe that this is true. And so the call to the church is to to walk alongside each other, encouraging each other to draw on every spiritual blessing. The, The call to us as individuals is to draw on every spiritual blessing as the the power, as the substance for our praise. Say, God, you have given me every spiritual blessing in Christ. I'm going to praise you because of that. I'm going to draw on that. God, you get praise and glory as I depend on your spiritual blessings in Christ. That's the first action that gives life to our praise. The second action that gives life to our praise is we trust God's purpose for us. Trust God's purpose for you. So verse 4 says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Verse 4 starts with this as or even as. Well, setting up that just as our every spiritual blessing is secure in the heavenly places, in the same way, in that same manner, that same security, that same confidence, in that same way, God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. God has set his mind, set his purpose on us. God's activity is focused on making us holy and blameless, set apart, not like the world, not like we used to be, not like we would be on our own, but to be holy and blameless. To know God's purpose for me is that I would be like Jesus that I would be set apart, that I would not be defined by by identities that I've created for myself, by sins that I've engaged in, by addictions that have gripped my heart. God's purpose for me is that my identity would be holy and blameless, that my record would not be shame and guilt, but instead my record would be holy and blameless. God chose us before the foundation of the world to do that. This is God's purpose for us. And so we must begin to trust God's purpose for us and say, this is what God is up to in my life. This is what God is up to in my life to to make me holy and blameless. So just as every spiritual blessing is overarching and future, this is something that's behind us. And so we can know and depend that God's purpose for us is good. It's holy and blamelessness. God has worked to make us holy and blameless. But not only has he made us to be holy and blameless, but notice the words before him. There is this relational aspect to it. God's purpose is that we would be holy and blameless before him, before his face, relating to him. Nothing coming between us. Nothing in his mind that would would separate his love from us. And so when we are engaging fully in a relationship of blessing, as we are praising God, as we are leaning in to do the thing that he's called us to do, which is to live for his glory and for his praise, we can know that his purpose for us is holiness, blamelessness, for a relationship with him. I'm reminded that... uh, of the, the literal story in the book of Exodus of God delivering his people out of the land of slavery in Egypt to be set apart, 
to be separate from the world, to be for himself. That is a literal example of God setting a people apart for himself. We see in the, at the end of the book of Leviticus where there's all of these laws. The book of, and the, the book of Leviticus says that you shall be holy for I am holy. And the, the, the purpose for that, he says, is so that you would be mine. There is, there is a relational element to the holiness God has called us to. God wants holy people because he wants to relate to them. Because God, he, he wants to see them. He wants them face to face. And so our praise gets life as we trust his purpose for us. We trust that God is actually at work in and through us, making us holy so that we can relate to him. And so that our praise has great life, great oomph behind it. And so the application of this for you and me is to go, will I trust God's purpose for me? Will I trust that God who chose me before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless is actually up to that? Am I going to trust that and then use that as the fuel for praise? Use that for the, as the fuel for the kind of life that honors God so that we relate to God with like great love and affection in our hearts and so that his, his praise is on our lips going, God, You are actually at work doing this. And I'm going to trust that. I'm going to trust that. Maybe for some of you who are having a really hard time, it may be a hard time at work. It may be a hard time in relationships. It may be financial hardship. Something right now causes you to go, God, what are you up to? How long is this going to go on? Maybe for you, the the application of this is to say, God, I trust by faith. That your purpose for me is holiness and blamelessness. Maybe right now you're struggling with temptation, struggling with shame and guilt in some kind of area. And what you need to know is that God has set you apart, holy and blameless, so that you would relate to him. So you need to begin to identify yourself as holy and blameless in Christ and say, every circumstance that I find myself in, I need to be actually orienting myself towards God's face, knowing that he set me apart, holy and blameless, because I am dwelling before him. I am relating to God. We have to trust God's purpose for us. And the third action that gives life to our praise, gives life to that relationship of blessing that we're invited into, is we are called to relate to him as his beloved son. Verse 5. Echoes a little bit of verse 4, but says, In love he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Verse 5 calls us to relate to God as his beloved son, as the fuel for praise and for worship and for the kind of life that pleases God. He says that he has predestined, he has chosen, he has set us apart beforehand for adoption through Jesus Christ. Adoption as sons. They are, uh, both men and women in the Bible are described as adopted as sons because in the Bible, the sons were the ones who inherited everything. And so the benefit is that all of us get all of the benefits of being adopted as a son. Men and women, not separate. That all of us are adopted as sons with the inheritance that belongs to a son. And so the point of all of this, the point of all of this that leads to praise is relational, that we would not just relate to God as subjects, that we would not just relate to God as servants, not just as people dwelling in the world, but we would relate to God as members of his own family, invited into a relationship 
of blessing. Not just us blessing God, but us blessing and praising God and leaning in to honor him. Just giving him our very best, just as he has leaned in to give us his very best and invited us into his home and into his family. This this whole passage is this invitation to engage fully into relationship of blessing with God. And verse 5 calls us to begin to relate to God as his beloved son, which totally changes the game when it comes to how we relate to God. After college, I uh, for a couple of summers, I worked as a camp counselor, uh, track leader, really, and um, for middle school and high school students. And every week we would get new students to come in. And one of the final afternoons of the week, a friend and I would organize a soccer game. And uh, so we'd get 20 to 30 students come out to play soccer. And it was uh, in the middle of the Mississippi uh, summer, so it was super hot. And when we would come out, there would be two kind of different groups of people come out to play. Some of them would come and they played soccer. They probably played for their high school team. They may have played for a travel team. They were really good. They juggle the soccer ball. They do some tricks. They might have even brought their cleats. Like they kind of, hey, I want to show off and I want to do some. And then other kids would come out just to have a good time. They had nowhere else to be. And so they might be really short and really young. They might be a lot, they might be really slow. They might it might be a, a teenage girl who's like, I've never played soccer before. And so there'd be these two groups, one group that of uh, seeming misfits and one group of the guys that they're gonna dominate the game and they're gonna change everything. And so as the as the organizer, I got to pick teams and I would always, as my first choice, pick the last person you would want on your team. It might be the person that's too short. It might be the person that's too slow. It might be the person that says, I've never played before. But I would take my first choice and I would pick that one that I knew was probably never picked first at any game. And then the rest of the picking of teams, I would continue to pick the least, the least wanted the person that wouldn't expect to be chosen. And what was so interesting is it would, it would always shock the hot shot. They would always shock the guy that was so good at soccer that always got picked first. That was the star of his team because he'd never been in a circumstance where he hadn't been chosen first. But it also shocked the, the seventh grader that never got picked. It, it, it shocked the guy that nobody ever wanted for his team. It shocked the girl that had never played before. Nobody's ever picked me first. And what it ended up doing is it transformed the game from what everybody thought was the very best people showing off how good they are to try and win the game. And it changed the game so that then the game became, hey, I actually want to be a blessing to my teammates. And so then the kids who never played before or were too slow or too small or whatever found a kind of confidence because they'd been picked first. They'd been picked over somebody that would normally be picked above them. The, the game became different for them because they, somebody wanted me. Somebody chose me on the team. And didn't just take me last as the leftovers. But it also changed it for the hotshot who realized this isn't the same kind of game I'm used to. And so the, the game became different as everybody's, as everybody's expectations became different. Those that were really good began to go, how can I be a blessing? How can I pass the ball? How can I be a good teammate to these other guys? And those that never got picked began to find a new found confidence and, hey, we're a team and we're together and I like these guys. 
And I'm going to do my best for them. The, the entire game was changed by the fact that the people that were n- never expecting to be chosen got chosen. And the game became a fun and beautiful uh, afternoon. As the game was different. That's what this Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 to 6 is inviting us into. Is to begin to see that we are invited into a different kind of life. We're divided into a different kind of world when we are invited to give God our very best because he's given us his very best. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need something from us as if he's, he's missing something. Instead, he says, I have picked you before the foundation of the world. I have picked you in Christ Jesus to be my adopted son. And now the whole game is different. We are invited to engage fully in a relationship of blessing with this God who has given himself to us. And so when we go, how how can I actually know if I've pleased God? How can I know that God is actually happy with me? We can look at Ephesians chapter 1 and look at this and say, he has blessed me in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He picked me before the foundation of the world. He picked me to be his own son before I had done anything to deserve it. And so now the game is totally different. Now the the relationship of blessing we are invited into is different. It's got a different kind of power because it comes from every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It has a different purpose because it is God who has chosen us to be holy and blameless before him. And ultimately it is different because it is a relationship where I get to call God Father and he calls me his beloved son. You and I are invited to engage fully in a relationship of blessing with God. You and I are invited to look and reflect on the smile of God for us. Maybe you're listening to this today. This is the first time you've joined us. Maybe you've been joining us for a long time and you go, I want that kind of relationship. I want to know that I have every spiritual blessing available to me. I want to know that God sees me as holy and blameless. I want to know that God sees me and calls me his beloved son. The way that we do that is we look at the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible says that God made the world and he made it good and he put Adam and Eve in it and said it is very good. But Adam and Eve and everybody after them said, God, we will not follow your rules. We will not live your way. We are going to set up our own kingdom. We do not want a relationship with you because we will not obey you. The Bible says that is the moment that sin was introduced to the world and with sin, death, both physical death and spiritual death in hell forever. That's where we see the pain of the lives that we lead. That's where shame and guilt come from. That that moment, that decision, as we turn our backs on God. But instead of leaving us there, the Bible tells us that Jesus lived the life that we should live, died the death that we should die, so that everybody who trusts in Christ, what the Bible calls trusting in Christ, repenting of sin, a changing of the mind, turning away from living our own way under our own authority as rebels against God and take and accept Jesus who obeyed, who lived in our place, died in our place and was raised. That when we repent of sin and trust in Christ and believe that God accepts us in Christ, that's what Ephesians chapter one means when it says you are in Christ, holy and blameless. 
because we have trusted in Jesus alone to save us and to give us the inheritance of a son, to give us the record of holy and blameless. I want to invite you to do that right now. You can right where you're at, repent of sin and trust in Jesus to save you. If you have questions about that, leave a comment on this video. Go to belgiumchurch.com and shoot an email to me. Because this is the most important difference in your life. We cannot engage fully in a relationship of blessing with God without first receiving the blessing of salvation through Jesus Christ. So then the rest of us who have trusted in Christ can know that we can draw on every spiritual blessing because we're in Jesus. We can trust God's purpose for us because we are in Jesus. We can relate to God as his beloved son, no matter what obstacles we face around us. Because we are in Christ. And so then we can, with our whole hearts, engage fully in a relationship of blessing with God. Because it doesn't ride on how much we can obey. Our holiness and blamelessness come from Jesus. They are received. We can engage fully in a relationship of blessing with God. Because the power for that comes because we are united with Christ. And no matter where we find ourselves, what road we are on, no matter how dark it feels, we can relate to God as beloved sons. And so then our praise is animated by this kind of power. Our, this relationship of blessing God has invited us into, we can be confident he's happy with us because we are depending on God's blessing of us to empower our, our praise, our blessing back of God. Imagine the kind of difference that makes when we're not trying to wrap up some obedience in good wrapping paper to make God happy. We're not trying to wrap up some, some, well, let me just put some distance in between me and my last sin so that God can be happy with me. Imagine the difference that makes when we can go, God is happy with me in Christ. I don't have to try and wrap those things up. So then obedience begins to be the living out in the power of what God has done for us. Imagine the difference that makes when we're not just trying to wrap up old gifts, the best thing that we can do to try and make him somehow happy. We can instead give back to him just a little bit of the greatness and the goodness and the grace that he's poured into us. We're doing that as we depend on it. Imagine the difference that makes. Let's pray. And God, we thank you that you have blessed us. God, we bless you. We praise you with the strength you have given us. We praise you with the blamelessness you have given us. God, we praise you from the relationship of son that you have given us. In Jesus' name, amen.